Hi, it's Alex, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Youth in Education podcast series, CFUY Live. In this series, we're exploring the most interesting aspects of research that we are carrying out at the Centre for Education and Youth, and providing you with insights from the practitioners and young people that we work with. Thanks for listening. The Centre for Education and Youth believes society should ensure all children and young people receive the support they need to make a fulfilling transition to adulthood. Find us at cfey.org. Hi, it's Vanessa. Welcome to this episode of the CFEY Live podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Matt Lent, CEO of Spark, a charity that works with schools and businesses to match local employers with young people to engage in high quality work experience. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Matt, would you be able to start by telling our listeners a little bit about Spark, the organisation you work for, and also the Inspire to Work programme that I've um, been happily a part of evaluating? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, So Spark is an education to employment charity. Uh, We've been working across West London for 40 years, for 11 years as an independent charity. Um, Our vision is of a society in which all young people are ready, equipped, motivated and able to enter the world of work. Um, We work in partnership with many, many schools across West London and and a whole raft of um, employers of all sizes. And we deliver a number of different things to support young people to develop their employability skills. Um, So a range of activities and events, typically in school, which might include careers workshops, employability skills development, interview skills, careers fairs, really varied depending on the needs of the school and the young people. We uh, create and deliver high quality work experience placements for hundreds of young people um, every year. Um, We also have a career mentoring program, which is called Connect, where we match young people who are on pupil premium with local employees and support them to have a mentoring relationship. We have a whole load of um, resources, support and training we put in place for the mentor. And that's typically two to three month mentoring relationship between a young person and a local employee. Um, We also have online tools. We have an online employability careers portal, which many young people access to support them to develop their skills and think about their transitions into work. And we actually support young people as they transition into the work as well as they're leaving education, supporting to make sure they have stable transitions into sustained employment. Sounds like a lot of work that you're doing kind of all across work experience, kind of connecting different bits. Um, Are you able to tell me about the Inspire to Work programme? Yeah, sure. Um, So Inspire to Work is a great programme we're running in partnership with Woodbridge Park Education Service, which is the pupil referral unit in Hounslow. We've been able to do this because Inspire Hounslow, a local funder, has supported uh, both organisations to be able to to design and test a new curriculum model where we're essentially putting careers and employability at its heart. So we've just completed academic year that's just gone. We've just completed a micropilot with five students over three months. Um, Next academic year, we're going to be working with nine or 10 young people over the whole academic year with the plan that we're going to scale again in 2023-24 to work across with all year 11s across the pupil referral unit. Essentially, it's a long-term internship programme whereby students work one day a week in a sector that's of interest to them, but it goes beyond a simple work placement. And there's two key elements to the programme. 
One is supporting the young people at the alternative provision to develop their employability skills, their work readiness and transitions into work. Um, and that includes a series of employability workshops, employer engagement opportunities, um, including workplace visits. We take young people out of the school and into the workplace to visit various um, employers. We have facilitated speed networking with local employers. We bring employers into the school so that young people start to get comfortable in those conversations with employers and get to ask lots and lots of questions about their, their, their um, organisation and the type of opportunities they have. Um, we will then we then match the young people with a local employer. So this year we worked with Audi, the car manufacturer, Lampton 360, who run all of Hounslow's community services, um, such as um, parks and gyms and a whole range of other things, um, a local museum called the Water and Steam Museum, and a small family-run business called Martha Brook, who've, who, um, who are a stationary type organisation. Um, the young people work one day a week, and throughout they're supported by school staff who have been trained as workplace advisors, as well as having one-to-one -one and group work sessions with an employment champion from Spark. And then next year, um, the young people are also going to be completing an OCN accredited level one employability qualification throughout their placement. So that's one side of it is, is working with the young people to develop their skills. And the second part of the project is um, preparing and supporting the local employers. So we want the local employers to have a greater understanding of the needs of young people in alternative provisions and to be able to support the young people that have those additional needs through the extended work placements. Uh, we want to challenge negative assumptions amongst employers about um, the stereotypes about young people from alternative provisions and also for employers to see the benefit of supporting and offering these opportunities to vulnerable young people in their community. So there's kind of two sides to it really, working directly with the young people, also working with the employers. In short, we're working with employers um, to prepare the young people for work as well as creating the entry-level roles and providing the support that young people will need to flourish in work. I have to say, Matt, I remember when um, Alex, so um, for those of you that don't know, so Alex, my colleague, kind of worked on um, the design of the evaluation. And I remember when she told me about it, I was like super excited because I think, as you said, there are maybe some stereotypes, for example, about young people in AP. And obviously being someone that did go to AP, I think it's you know incredibly important that young people that do go APR provided with really good quality work experience. And, you know, we kind of start to break down those barriers where people are maybe having like negative ideas um, about these young people. And I remember when I met them as well, the young people um, on this program are, are amazing. Um, they're such like an, um, an intelligent bunch. They were all very excited about the work experience and I've like really, really enjoyed working on it. Um, in particular kind of, yeah, as I said, the pro angle one thing I am quite keen to know is kind of what made you decide to work with the PRU in particular and when you were developing the programme, what kind of went into it and, you know, you mentioned some of the the objectives, kind of breaking down those barriers of, um, with employers and also getting young people to have these skills um, and it seems like, you know, there's a lot of different parts of the programme. So, yeah, I'd be keen to know how you developed the programme and who you worked with to kind of get the programme up and running. Behind a lot of this work is our new strategy. So we published our new strategy last year and part of our new strategy is to focus our services and our resources for young people that are going to benefit the most from our support. So we specifically want to work, while we continue to work with whole school communities to develop their careers provision, the more programmatic approach we're focusing on those young people who have been identified as being at risk of becoming not in education, employment or training. And young people in alternative provisions have among the lowest attainment in the country. 
and struggle with sustaining their post-education destinations. So specifically with Woodbridge Park Education Service, about 40% of the young people who leave the school drop out of their post-16 destination by about March or April the following year. And that's due to often varied and complex reasons, including um, personal challenges that they may be facing in their life, but also low resilience um, that, that we know is one of the issues that some of these young people are challenged with. We've worked closely with Woodridge Park um, for many years, um, tends to be type of ad hoc type events, might be industry insight, might be careers workshops, uh, could be a variety of things. Um, and about 18 months ago, I was talking with their head teacher, Ian Merriman, about how we could collaborate on really dramatically changing the employment chances for their young people and thinking about how it's a much more joined up approach. We agreed that it needs to be something that's embedded throughout their curriculum, that it couldn't just be a, an add-on or, or a nice-to-have, an additional, that the programme structure um, needs to be developed in partnership with all the key stakeholders, including young people, of course. So alongside the staff and in part informed by the work of um, a provision, a, a, a holistic alternative provision in Doncaster, which is called the Big Picture School, which in turn is learning from um, and adapting the Big Picture Learning Curriculum, which was founded in America. Um, our aim is to create a more equitable and student-centred education system, really focused on employability and careers. Once we had an outline structure, we engaged directly with the students who were um, identified to participate in the micropilot and they shared all their challenges, their hopes and their concerns, as well as that what they want to get from the programme and, and how they want to be supportive and importantly their preferences for their placement. It's really iterative, this programme. We're looking, we're not looking to run before we can walk. So that's why we're scaling over three years because we feel like, and we are, learning so much as we go, getting lots and lots of inputs from everybody, from school staff, employers, young people, of course, um, and other external professionals that can support us to evolve and develop the provision. Um, yeah, so we're taking our time with it, really, and, and we're kind of like learning as we go. Yeah, I remember when I um, set up the work experience at um, CFEY, I remember the first one was definitely kind of, um, it's definitely a learning curve. I think when you, you know, when you start a work experience program, you, you have ideas about what's going to work and maybe what's not going to work. And I think often once the program itself goes ahead, um, you start to really get an idea of, okay, this is where it needs to be worked on and, and this is maybe where it's going well and one of the things that I've really kind of enjoyed about working on this program is, as you said, the fact that it's embedded. Um, I mean, when I did um, the work experience at CFEY, I mean, I mean, the work experience was fantastic. And I know the, the young people really enjoyed it. But I do remember feeling, you know, I, I wish it was a bit longer. I wish I had a, a bit longer to kind of work with the young people and really develop those skills. Because while, you know, like a two week placement or three week, week placement definitely has a lot of benefit benefits, I think you know, fundamentally, it's that long-term change that you want to see. Um, and I think, you know, long-term change often requires like long-term solutions. Um, so I think it's very, like, it's really good that, you know, you are taking kind of more of an embedded approach. And as you say, piloting it and, um, you know, seeing what works well and really incorporating the young people's voices into the program itself. I know that you did some interviews and I was lucky enough to do the focus group with um, the young people. I think it was about just over a week ago now. Um, what do you think you would say are some of the, the most interesting things that came out of that for you? 
so much. Um, both the focus groups and the um, surveys we carried out with everyone involved in the program before and after surveys, but also through our observations and just ongoing conversations with school staff, young people and the employers. Um, the, I, I think on reflection, the placements that were most successful were the ones that met, at least in part, the young people's career aspirations or interests. It's not always easy to find the right placement for the right young people and we're keen to support the young people to manage their expectations around that and see the benefit of the placement even if it's not exactly what they think they want to do but definitely the young people who benefited the most were the ones who we were able to place in jobs and roles that met their interests so for example we had a young man who um, is obsessed with cars um, and we were fortunate enough to manage to place them um, in a role in Audi and it was just his dream come true. It was like his playground. He told us that he used to pass by the Audi site every day and always fantasized about working there. And we, we really saw a transformation in his confidence around his ability to be able to work and his, his confidence um, in, able, in his ability to be able to find a job. There, there was even talks at the moment with Audi about him transitioning into a apprenticeship program at the site as well, which was just, like I said, his dream come true. Um, what also worked was when um, young people had a named person on the site, a buddy or a supervisor who um, was a kind person, a patient person, someone that was willing to invest time to support that young person. It was important for us that the employees didn't see this just as an extra pair of hands, that they actually saw that they were going to be investing in the young person they were supporting. Um, and the relationships there were so key. And at um, Audi and um, Lambton 360, particularly, the young people had really positive relationships with their supervisor. And when we were together in a room last week with everyone, you could just see them light up when they saw their supervisor was there in the room and they just ran over to them and were chatting to them and they were engaged and, and they were a bit of a, a role model for them as well as a bit of a mentor. So when that was in place, that worked really well. Um, when the young people were given the right balance of support and autonomy in their work, so there's a so, so while they might be shadowing other people, um, they might be supported to fairly basic tasks, but also their trust builds and grows, and they're given a task and they can just be trusted to do it. Um, we had a young woman who was placed a lantern in their park, so there was like a little zoo there um, she loved working with the animals but after a while she would just come into work in the morning and she knew what needed to be done whether it was feeding or cleaning out or whatever it was and she was just given the autonomy and the trust to get on with that that really helped build her confidence when it didn't work as well it was typically that the support the young people needed wasn't in place and that their expectations hadn't really been effectively managed about um, or it wasn't made clear to them what they would be doing or how it would help them develop their employability skills um, and that's something we need to revisit next year. And I can come on a little bit later about how we're going to adapt the programme. Um, for employees, it worked well when they understood the project and the kinds of challenges the young people are facing. Um, and also when they were well supported to design an interesting and varied placement. We didn't make assumptions about where the employers were. Um, we, we, we had multiple conversations with the employees about what the placement could look like and how they can best ensure it's a success for the young person, but also for themselves. Um, and one of the key pieces of feedback we got as well, I think, from all stakeholders, all people involved, was that um, connecting what the young people are learning in school to their placement really helps. So 
I think this is something we need to improve, but we did some of this. We built in reflection time and one-to-one support for the young people during the work, during their placements, back in school, we did that. And next year, we want to be much clearer with the employers on the young people's learning journey so they can support them on their placement and they can be challenging them, creating opportunities for them to develop their learning based on their, their, own, um, their own learning pathways. Um, and I mentioned before, next year we're going to be including a level one employability qualification, which we'll share with the employers so they can work with the young people to help them fulfill their requirements of the qualification. Um, a couple of other things, we also decided to design um, more, for next year we've decided to design more employer engagement earlier for the young people. So because this was a micro pilot and it was, it was um, put on its feet relatively quickly, we didn't have the opportunity to engage with the young people earlier in their school um, career. So next year and the year after, we're looking to work with year nines and year tens to help better prepare them for their placements, to build their motivation and their confidence, and also to help them to better understand their own needs and their placement preferences and to manage their expectations about what the place. We want to build excitement amongst the young people in year nine or year 10. They're excited and can't wait for their placement, especially when we go across the whole of year 11 for the placements. Um, next year, we're going to be going from a 48-hour placement to is broadly one day a week for seven or eight weeks to a 180-hour placement. So it's going to be one day a week for about 30 weeks. And I'm sure we're going to discover lots more about the challenges and the opportunities that presents. And like I say, we'll take on board all those new learnings and adapt again for year three. Yeah, I remember when I spoke to the young people, so I, I was lucky enough to speak to them at the beginning, so just before the placement and at the end. And I remember, you know, at the beginning, they were obviously super excited, but I think there was a bit of, um, not worry, but I, I guess, you know, when you don't know really what to expect, I, I think it can be a little bit nerve wracking. I remember speaking to them at the end and, you know, as they, as you said, they were so excited to meet their mentors from their workplaces um, and they seemed to, you know, really get stuck in. Um, and as you say, like one of the things that stood out to me was, the young people that seem to do the best either had, you know, someone at the workplace um, that they were able to connect to, or maybe like another pupil that was also at the workplace um, that was, you know, had an understanding of where they came from um, and just, you know, made them feel motivated. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, really struck me was that one of the young people was kind of saying, you know, like at work, I'm sorry, at school, sometimes I'm, I may be silly, but you know, when I was there, um, not silly as in stupid, but, you know, like maybe misbehaving or, you know, just being young. Um, and they were saying, you know, when we went to the workplace, I felt like, you know, I took it very seriously and I really got stuck into it. And one of them was saying, you know, even when I said I can't do something, I was like motivated in a really good way to just like continue. And there was like a lot of belief in what the young people can do. Um, and I think that seemed to to really have a, like a really good effect on their own confidence and kind of what they felt like they were able to achieve on the work experience program. Um, and, you know, it was like, it was just really nice to get to speak to them afterwards and see how excited they are and just see how well they got on. Um, and as you said, a lot of them got to do stuff that was quite in, in tune with stuff that they were interested in. I think, you know, that always helps people to feel motivated um, and excited about doing something. Yeah, we, we had... Um... We had one student who actually stopped attending school and the school were quite worried about him, um, but he carried on attending his work placement um, because he was just enjoying that opportunity. And I, and I think there might be something there around also challenging the young people to to continue with their learning as well. This is They go hand in hand what they're learning in school and what they're learning on their work placement. Um, but um, it was also an opportunity for the staff to engage with him on his work placement as well. And we're going to do more of this again next year. So the, 
this WPES staff actually went out and visited young people on their placement to check how they're doing, to, to check in with the employer as well. Um, and we want to build in lots and lots of regular touch points in that way so that the staff are going in probably once every three weeks or so just to check up, see how they're doing, make sure they've got the support in place they need and also engage with them and think about, you know, how they're going on their qualification, what learn, what, what are they learning now that they can take back into, the, into their classroom. It's interesting because I think the young people seem to really appreciate kind of that reflection period as well. So when I was kind of asking them um, about that, so from what I understand, they would um, have like a chat on a Friday um, and talk about kind of how things went. And, you know, they said it was like really nice to get to touch base um, and like, you know, really reflect on the work that they had been doing with their school. Um, So it seems like, you know, having that kind of connection between the workplace and between the school seems to, you know, really benefit them. And I, I feel like they can also see the benefits of having that. Um, so it'll be really exciting and interesting to kind of see what that will look like when, you know, that the support is increased in, in the next year. Just to move on slightly, Matt, what do you think are kind of, what do you think are the main benefits of providing young people work experience placements? I, I know you kind of, you mentioned at the beginning um, that young people from AP in particular tend to have um, slightly worse or significantly worse outcomes than um, those from mainstream schools. So kind of with that in mind, what, yeah, what do you think are the benefits of having these work experience placements, particularly thinking about kind of high quality placements that maybe go over a longer period? Yes, I, th- I think on the quality of the placements question, so uh, there's value in a placement, which is just a couple of days. There's obviously increased value if the young person is attending typically five days consecutively. Um, what we're trying to do through the internship placements with the pupil referral unit is to really kind of embed that practice throughout. So the way it's been working at the Pru is every Thursday, for example, they go out into their placement for for what they will be anyway, the whole of um, their academic year 11. Typically, our placements tend to be, like I said, those week-long placements. Um, So still quite a considerable amount of time when you think about it in terms of hours for the young person to be experiencing work. Um, and it gives young people um, a really invaluable insight into the world of work and the opportunity to learn new skills, develop their independence um, and their motivation and their self-confidence. Um, and through it, the young people get to build a much better understanding of what it means to work. They might have an idea in their head about what work looks like, but they won't really know what it looks like in practice. Um, and through that, start to develop their own self-awareness of their strengths and the challenges they're going to face. Um and also enhances their self-efficacy, their, their sense of belief that they can achieve. Um, and something that's often missed out as well in all of this is, is it also really builds social capital and an understanding of the marketplace and what's going on in the local community, what opportunities are there um, for, for um, employment and for careers. And it helps young people to access the people and the opportunities that will help them to be self-determining in their transition into sustained employment and ultimately rewarding careers. Um, Young people tell us that work experience helps them to build experience that will help them get a better job, build networks and contacts, build useful skills, um, helps them to make more informed decisions about their future and understand what it feels like to be at work. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with work experience, it it definitely builds a lot of skills. Like, I mean, before I, I worked in research, I worked in retail for like four or five years. And I think, you know, having that experience, I was able to develop a lot of skills, particularly, I, I think, around, you know, speaking to people, um, having the confidence to, 
you know, go forward for opportunities, feeling confident enough to speak to people from a range of different sectors, people that are maybe more superior than you, for example. Um, and, you know, as you said, kind of develop that social capital. Um, with that being said, what do you think are kind of the biggest barriers to young people securing work experience placements, particularly young people from AP? Yeah, there are there are still significant barriers to that. Um, so... Well, as a starting point, whilst young people highlight that a lack of work experience is their number one barrier to getting a job. So that's it. When you ask young people, what's your barrier to getting a job? They say, I don't have enough work experience. But more than a third of students have never been offered any form of work experience, even one or two day work experience. And this ends up impacting on the very young people who need to benefit from it the most, those without the networks, those without the support or the know-how, um, those who are going to struggle to access work experience the most, which is, is unfortunately, um, young people identified as being neat, young people who've got personal challenges in their life, young people outside of mainstream education, um, young people in local authority care, those that really need it are going to find it the hardest to access. Um, Pre-pandemic, we know from CBI data, that 66% of businesses want to recruit young people with work experience, but only 38% of businesses are actually offering work experience. And since the pandemic, it's become even harder to access these opportunities. What we're experiencing is demand for placements has significantly outstripped supply. Schools are still trying to catch up for those young people who missed out over the last couple of years whilst also trying to meet the needs of young younger students coming in to year 10. So often schools will say they want year experience for their year 10 students. Um, they're now saying they want it for their year 12 students as well because they missed out on their year 10 experience. Um, although year 10 is, year 12 is also a really good, good time to have that work experience as the young people are really thinking about their transitions and next steps. So couple that with the fact that many organisations are now post-pandemic fo focused on the basics of their business. Um, it's hard of staying afloat. Keeping the lights on um, is a priority for lots of, especially smaller businesses. So it's not surprising that hosting work experience students has kind of been relegated as a priority for many. Um, and there's another challenge, which is hybrid working. So while hybrid working is wonderful in many ways, it's also made it harder to source high quality week-long on-site placements especially for those in office-type environments. What we really need now is more businesses of all sizes to step up to offer these kind of high-quality opportunities. So everything from large multinationals, we work with large organisations like GSK and Cisco, for example, who and we work with them to develop a work experience placement programme for dozens, if not hundreds, of young people, um, as well as SMEs um, who... Um, will typically be more locally focused. Um, they can offer up to 50 to 20 placements a year, potentially. And even micro-businesses like high street hair salons or pharmacists or, 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 or restaurants um, who, who we want to encourage them to take on at least one young person at a time. And what's really important for us is that employers don't just see this as corporate social responsibility or a little bit of giving back to the community or, or, or charity, that they see it as an opportunity for them, that they see the benefits for them as an employer. Yeah, actually, funny enough, that was actually, that leads me on um, quite nicely to my next question. I was going to ask, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, the benefits of work experience for young people in particular, but I remember when I did, when I held the work experience at CFEY, I felt like, you know, there was a lot of benefits to us as a business. I mean, 
We had, you know, young people who are fresh thinkers, maybe have like different ideas, have different experiences. Um, you know, we were able to now create a network of young people that were able to tap into or lean on when we need, you know, to ask questions about things in the sector. So with that being said, what do you think are, are the benefits to employers of having work experience um, students? Because, you know, as you said, we don't want them to see it as just charity or something that, you know, they're responsible for doing, but rather something that actually benefits them. So what would you say are like the main benefits to employers? Yeah, it really can be mutually beneficial. If it's done well, the employer will benefit as much, sometimes if not more than the young people themselves. Um, so it really helps to build, for the employer to build long, say if they're going through the schools and many of the work experience placements will go through schools, um, it help, it's the opportunity to, for them, for the employer to build long-term sustainable partnerships with schools and with their local community. Uh, it does support their corporate social responsibility and community investment activities and priorities, which many larger businesses have. But it also provides rewarding volunteering opportunities for employees, which is clearly linked to staff retention. As you said, Vanessa, it also is the opportunity to bring in new ideas and new perspectives get fresh eyes on a project, get the, the opportunity to see something from a young person's perspective. Um, and really importantly, what employers tell us a lot is the, is the benefit they have. It raises awareness of them as an employer in the local community and also raises awareness of their industry and the careers that are out there. And it starts to build those um, local talent pipelines and also the opportunity to diversify their future workforce. Um, there's a massive, massive skills shortage, skills gap that we're experiencing at the moment. So it really can't be overstated that employers need to start to build their talent pipeline. And the way to do that is to get out there in community, invite young people into their work, showcase exactly what they're doing, um, raise interest and motivation amongst young people in their community to actually enter their industry. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, there's definitely a need to kind of build on talent. And I, I think, you know, there's a there's a place for employers in particular to kind of ensure that young people are work ready. Um, and I yeah. think, you know, it's really important that work workplaces continue to, you know, provide these experiences to young people and have them, you know, come into their companies, get a sense of what the working world is like. And also for employers to kind of, as we said before, get fresh ideas um, and ensure, you know, it's not the same kind of people always coming into the same kind of jobs. Exactly. So um, diver workforce, workforce diversification is, is really, really key. And actually, we, we spend a lot of time talking to employers about how they can diversify their workforce, how they can become more accessible as an organisation um, and how they can be more appealing to a, the wider community. And, you know, how, what, what the benefits are of not recruiting young people based on their qualifications or, or how much work experience they've got, but recruiting them for potential and for attitude and developing them rather than employing somebody who's already fully worked ready and can just jump straight into a job yeah I think that's the key thing you know kind of being willing to develop young people and being okay with them maybe not having experiences I remember speaking to young people at the beginning and as you said one of the main barriers that they faced to gaining work experience was not having work experience and it's this weird catch-22 where it's like you know to get work experience you need work experience to begin with but then where do you start um you're kind of just stuck in the circle where people are asking you for something that you don't have and to get what you need is also a struggle um so what do you think then workplaces can do to kind of ensure that young people that in particular need work experience the most are accessing it um and i'm quite keen to kind of hear your thoughts particularly on the recruitment process itself in terms of like the applications the interviews you know what can really be done to ensure that 
it's as accessible as possible. Um, and, you know, we're getting a breadth of young people rather than, you know, the same young people that maybe already have work experience and already have these connections to hand. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um, so there's there's some basic fundamentals of what a good experience, how, how to ensure it's a good experience for both the young people and for the employer as well. So um, it's important that the the opportunity is appealing and accessible, so it should be varied, interesting, and easy to find. Um, we work with employers who only provide. We have worked with employers who only want to provide work experience placements for um, employees, yet children, for example, um, or those with the communities they already have access to. And so we talk about we work with them to make sure their opportunities are much easier to find from a much wider group of young people and that could be through the school system but it could also be through the voluntary youth sector and other local service providers um the they should be willing and able to host young people who will most benefit from the opportunity not just the best and the brightest but actually those who need it the most especially as i said when demand for placements is massively outstripping supply at the moment who's going to benefit from most of those, those opportunities um, employees will be well advised to work with an external organisation like Spark who have years of experience in designing and importantly safeguarding work placements. We actually go out into the workplace and carry out health and safety and safeguarding checks on every placement, especially when it's a high risk placement such as a construction site or a restaurant or something like that. Um, so taking all of that heavy lifting, as it were, of designing the good placement, making sure it's safe off of the, the, the staff itself. Um, Many employers work directly with local schools or potentially through another organisation to promote the placement. If it's a good placement, the school's going to bite your hand off for it. Now, like I said, they are looking for good placements actively and all the time. It's important the employer is flexible and thinks about the school timetable and the school curriculum. Um, there's no use saying we're only going to take somebody in February if the school's saying we won't have young people available until May because we won't be able to get them off curriculum until May. So being adaptable, making sure that you're collaborating effectively with the school to make sure that it's accessible to, uh, to, to their students. Um, and on the question of sort of like ensuring that it's supportive for young people um, for, from, from diverse backgrounds, you know, and appealing especially for those young people who are going to need it the most. Um, well, we need a variety of opportunities, so a uh, very wide and diverse range um, of opportunities for across sectors, different roles, different functions, different geographies. Think about whether young people can actually travel to your workplace. Um, for example, many young people won't have the confidence or ability or, or the finance to travel very far or maybe get the underground. Can they walk to you? Can they get, jump on a bus to you? Is it accessible? Very In a very practical way. Um, it's important to realise that there's no one one type fits all solution. Every young person will come with their own needs, their own challenges, and their own strengths. And work experiences hosts work experience hosts need to be able and willing to adapt as required. Um, so be flexible with timings. For example, um, five consecutive days might not work for everyone. Some may need it to be one day a week or split across two or three weeks, as they might have other commitments and other priorities. Um, and Importantly, employers need to understand and reflect on the barriers they are, they're putting in for the process and the opportunity. So what can you do to actively remove your barriers? Ask, asking the right questions. Is the language used accessible? Are we, are we jargon-free, for example? Is the opportunity easy to find? Where are you actually advertising and promoting the opportunity? Um, do you offer a safe and welcoming work environment for everyone? 
Um, do you welcome diversity in your workforce? What does that look like? How does it look? What does it look like in practice to welcome young people from diverse backgrounds and um, diverse needs? Um, are work tasks appropriate for neurodiverse young people? You know, so if there's a heavy reading task, is it going to be appropriate for this young person, or, or how can you make it an audio task, or how can you think? You know, young, some young people are going to be really hands-on and practical and just want to use their hands in their placement, while others are going to be happier sitting in front of a computer. So really thinking and making sure the tasks you're assigning to the young people are appropriate for that individual young person. Um, a couple more things I'd add is that employers need to provide constructive feedback to candidates at every stage um, possible so that they can um, improve future applications. So um, providing constructive feedback, but also inviting feedback from the young people as well to help them develop and design their future opportunities. No one knows what young people need to succeed more than the young people themselves. And it's a real opportunity. You've got them in their workplace, listen to them, ask them questions. Yeah, just to kind of echo your point on flexibility, I remember when I was running the work experience, I do think one of the the best things was kind of, you know, being receptive to young people's lives. Um, So, for example, we had some that were maybe doing uni applications or maybe had things going on at home and, you know, they required a bit of flexibility in terms of the timetable. And I think, you know, making those allowances to ensure that, you know, young people are able to thrive is really important. I think sometimes, you know, some workplaces can... I don't know, maybe be a bit too rigid and have this idea that in order for things to be fair, everyone needs to, you know, be treated the same. And I think it's about understanding and meeting people where they are sometimes um, and acknowledging people's needs. And, you know, as you said, being really receptive to that. It's funny, kind of as you were speaking, I was like scribbling a whole bunch of notes for myself to kind of take note for the work experience placement that I hope to do soon. It's it's it. It's it's often the difference between it's often the difference between equality and equity. So not treating everyone the equality is treating everyone the same, but equity is giving everyone the same opportunities as well. So for the for the work with just to go back to Inspire to Work project with the proof for a moment, we started the placements with asking the young people to work just in the mornings, just two or three hours in the mornings to start to embed them and start to build their confidence. And we allowed the employer and the young person together to decide at what point, if and at what point, the young person should move to a full day. Some of the young people were like, chomping at the bit, yeah, I, I want to be here the whole day, I don't, you know, absolutely, let's do it quickly. And others actually want to take a bit more time with that before they built up to a full day's of work. And just building in that adaptability, building in that flexibility is really, really important. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, as I said, it's always good to meet people where they are. And I think, you know, if you want to get the best out of people, it's about, you know, having open conversations about what works for people and not being too prescriptive about how you think the work experience should be. Because, you know, fundamentally, we want the young people to to learn from it and to gain from it. And I think, you know, if you're overly prescriptive, um, you kind of gloss over the fact that, you know, as you say, young people are, are fundamentally experts of their own experience. And I think, you know, it's always important to to listen to what they say and trust, you know, their ability to kind of, um, you know, gauge what is best for them and, you know, work around that. Kind of with that being said, what do you think, just to kind of wrap this conversation up slightly, what do you think are the main things that as a, as a sector, kind of the education sector can learn from this and also um, employers that are hoping to do work experience placements with young people and particularly from diverse backgrounds, what do you think, you would say like the key takeaways, I realize it's a pilot, um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of interest in learnings that that can be taken from it. So yeah, what would you say are kind of the key things you would like people to take out from this? 
we don't just talk about work experience placements, we talk about high quality work experience placements. Um, and I think there's a few things that uh, we, we want, we, we do in our work, or our typically week long work experience placements that we want to ensure we're also having in the Inspire to Work program. Um, one is to ensure variety and a blend of challenges. Um, so some tasks that the young people will find really, really easy and straightforward and some that are going to push them. Um, and also offers genuine benefits to the employers, not busy work, you know. It, you know, So they could do a range of different things depending on who the employer is, but it could be competitive, re- competitive research and market analysis. It could be planning an event or developing a product or um, doing some social media management. It could be copywriting. It could be helping with interviews um it could be any number of things but but tasks where they're mutually beneficial it's not just busy work it's not photocopying um but there's a real benefit to everyone and that young people get the opportunity to experience all different elements of the business so they work across different departments and with different colleagues um so they, they really get to understand the scope of the business across different, especially larger businesses, across all the different departments and all the different opportunities that may exist. It doesn't really matter what sector the organisation is working in. If they're large enough, they're going to have an IT department and a customer service department and a hospitality department and, and any other, a number of other areas that the young person can experience. Um, ensure structure. So the young people, person knows exactly what they're going to be doing each day and make sure that time is built in for um, the young person to take responsibility for projects or tasks throughout their placement. So they might have individual tasks to do each day, but actually are there, is there an ongoing task or responsibility that they can take ownership for over their placement that they can come back to? Um, there should be feedback and positive affirmation all the time. So building time for the young people to present their work from the day, ideally every day, and to receive feedback on that. I mentioned before the importance of relationships in the workplace, so make sure there's a really kind supervisor or a buddy for the young people to confide in and go to for help or advice. And also something we've talked about already is connecting the placement to the world of work. Um, So show what they're doing in their work placement or what they're learning on their placement supports them to develop their skills for finding and keeping a job. We we talk about the skills builder, I should have mentioned this earlier, but we use the skills builder framework and those eight key skills that are common across everyone that are going to help us to be able to function in work. So while they may be doing a task and they don't quite understand why they're doing that task and what they're getting for it, there's a real opportunity to say, well, this is helping you develop your teamwork or your communication skills or whatever it may be. Um, if people are interested actually in finding out more about what makes up a good work placement there's actually quite a good DFE guide it's called um, Not Just Making Tea and it's really worth reading for anyone interested in thinking about how they design or host a meaningful work placement Um, and I think you also asked me about sharing learnings I mean we're we're always sharing learnings we're we're always talking to employers and to schools and other organisations about what we do and what makes a good placement and and it's really important for us to share learnings with employers because we often take them on a journey from what they think they want to provide and what's actually going to be really beneficial to all parties. Um, in regards to the Inspire to Work programme itself, it's probably a bit early to answer that question. Um, you know, just come back to what we're trying to achieve here. We're looking to dramatically increase the likelihood of young people from alternative provisions to transition into sustained employment or educational training. Um, and to do that, we need to really effectively prepare the young people to be ready, equipped, motivated, and able to the, able to enter the world of work 
but we also need local employees to be willing and able to hire young people identified as being at risk of becoming not in employment educational training and to see the benefit to them as an employer. That's not going to happen quickly. This is a long-term project, not something over one academic year. And as we learn and the programme evolves, we are going to be planning on sharing our learnings across the education sector and more specifically with the alternative provision um, providers. At the end of year two, so around this time next year, we're actually looking to pull together uh, a bit of a conference to share our learnings. We'll be publishing a report on what we've learned over the first two years and then thinking about what the programme can be look like, could look like as we scale it across all year 11s. And we hope if it's successful and it works and we're able to track the destinations of young people and those destinations are sustained, then you know we hope to think about how we could scale this model to other alternative provisions. I have to say, I'm really excited to kind of see how the next year goes. I think, you know, there's been a lot of really interesting learnings from this year. And I've just like really loved, you know, getting to speak to the young people, seeing how excited they are um, and, you know, really starting to break down those barriers. Um, and, you know, that unfortunately, those stereotypes that some people hold about AP and showing, you know, these young people have a, a lot to give um, and they have, you know, a lot of unique qualities and a lot of unique skills. Um and I think, you know, it is extremely beneficial for uh, workplaces to, to really start to, to think about diversifying kind of the pool of young people that um, they're recruiting from. Matt, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up this podcast? Um, well, I think that we've covered quite a lot. Um, I will come back a, li- a little bit of an ask. I will come back to what I said before about demand for high quality work placements outstripping supply so if there's anyone listening to this doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a small organization or you work for a large international or anywhere in between whether you're a charity a social enterprise or a money-making enterprise it doesn't really matter please do get in touch with us talk to us about how you might be able to design placements um, and we will definitely be able to find young people who are ready and willing to come and play, be placed in you because you know as diverse as the opportunities are is equally diverse the young people around their interests and areas that they want to progress into so it doesn't matter what sector you're in do feel free to get in touch and find out more yeah i'll definitely second that point and to anyone that does want to get in touch with spark their um, web address is www.sparkcharity.org.uk if you want to find out more about the work that they're doing also get in contact directly um, thank you so much, Matt, for speaking to me today. I've honestly really enjoyed working on the program and yeah, having a chance to just speak to you a bit more about all things work experience. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Vanessa. And also just to say it's a pleasure to be working with the Centre for Education and Youth on this work as well. It was really important that we feel like we have a, an external learning partner to support us through this process. So appreciate that and your time on the project. No worries. Thank you so much for that, Matt. We love making this podcast. If you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it, then there are a few things that you can do. 1. Subscribe. Hit the subscribe button in iTunes or wherever you are listening. 2. Share. Share this episode with someone you know who will find it interesting. 3. Review. Write a review or leave a comment. Also, feel free to contact us via the links in the show notes. Thanks a lot.